Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Business of Fitness podcast with me, Molly Herford, on Feisty Media. So we are all about product creation this month, and I'm really excited to have my good friend, the CPO of Gnarly Nutrition, Shannon O'Grady, on the podcast. I've actually had her on my other podcast, The Consummate Athlete, before talking all about actually her background in jujitsu and some really, really cool stuff that Gnarly has been up to. But I really wanted to have her on because at Gnarly Nutrition, they've done some really cool, exciting, innovative things with product in the sports nutrition world. Specifically, they recently went through a huge push to make all of their products NSF for sport, which is a really big deal. It's a very expensive, lengthy endeavor. And I was just so impressed with the fact that, you know, this smaller company really pushed for this rating. And I was also so interested in their commitment to providing more recycled materials in terms of their packaging. So we talk all about that, the ins and outs, basically how to, you know, take a product-based company and then really refine it so that you're your products align with your values, which can be really hard when you are a you know smaller, scrappier company, as many of us can definitely relate to. Uh, so really, whether you are a product-based company or you're just trying to figure out what your mission, what your values are for your small business or entrepreneurial activities, uh, this is a really good episode for really honing in on that and figuring out how to make it work in a way that, uh, frankly, is not going to destroy your business in the process or you know, cost you a lot of customers or take away all of your profits. Because obviously, well, you know, we want to be focusing on things like an NSF certification or making products more recyclable. Uh, If we're not actually able to turn a profit, then it's not going to last anyway. So we do need to find a sustainable way to be more sustainable. All right, let's get into this conversation with Shannon O'Grady. Enjoy. All right, Shannon O'Grady, welcome to the Business of Fitness podcast. I'm so excited to get to talk to you again. I've had you on my other podcast, The Consummate Athlete, where we talked somehow all things Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which was an <laughs> angle I hadn't realized we were going to go. But uh, I'm, I'm so excited to to get some some business stuff with you today on this one. Yeah, I'll try to keep jiu-jitsu out of it. Sometimes it seeps its way in. <laughs> I mean, you know what, maybe we can add like a smidge of it because I do actually think it is an important part of business. And I don't know, this is kind of like an aside to where I'm going here, but um, actually one of the women who founded A Day, the women's clothing line, that's like very athletic Yeah, she's super into Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I'm also trying to get her on this podcast because I'm like, apparently love business women who also do jujitsu yeah she's she's amazing I follow her on Instagram and I've never met her or her partner Margot but they're they're great look up to them both in terms of jujitsu and and what they do with business and the knowledge they put out there so I hope Mm -hmm. you do have her I'll definitely be a listener yeah so I do think there is some some crossover as far as you know where what we're doing in the business world and then how you know sports like jujitsu really play into that but let's let's go back to the business world yeah. let's talk about how uh, how you ended up at gnarly as chief product officer so give us the quick origin story here Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I uh, have my doctorate in biology from the University of Utah and um, was really into endurance sports in graduate school. My uh, a good friend of mine and I used to joke that there was an inverse relationship between um, our fitness level and progress on our dissertations. Um, but I taught a little bit, um, had some postdocs, uh, 
liked academia, loved research, but also didn't want to move to just anywhere for a tenure track position, wanted to stay in Utah near the mountains where recreation could be part of my, you know, everyday life. Um, and the supplement industry is pretty prolific in Utah. Um, so it seemed like a, a nice kind of transition into something that also incorporated nutrition um, and would allow me to stay um, in the city that I had been in. Uh, so I transitioned into product development and had kind of, for many people, I think it's it's the similar, like a circuitous route to where I am now that served me well in terms of what I do on the day-to-day in Gnarly. So I worked in product development um, for a larger uh, uh, supplement corporation in Utah. I worked in manufacturing. So on the quality of side of things, learned a lot about FDA regulation and quality certifications like NSF. Um, and then during that time, found Gnarly Nutrition. A friend of mine was a pro athlete and um, connected with them and started working on the product development side, um, started writing uh, SOPs or standard operating procedures for a lot of the quality measures. And that morphed into what I do now um, as chief product officer. So I do a little bit of everything that that product touches. So um, everything from product development, um, taking formulas to manufacturers and, and bringing those formulas to market handling all of our product labeling and um, quality certifications, both um, at the manufacturing level, but then also all of our products are NSF certified. So that um, handle all of our fulfillment. And then, you know, my favorite part is where I get to talk nutrition, both to larger uh, audiences, um, maybe through race partnerships um, or training partnerships we have, but then also just like on the day-to-day with when customers and athletes have questions. Mm-hmm. I love it. And okay, give us like a little bit of the scope of what exactly gnarly nutrition is. Um, because I think when we hear gnarly nutrition, people who are hearing that um, that name for the first time might think it's, yes, it's very much right. when we've already talked about jujitsu. Now everyone's like, oh, it's a martial arts company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or like a skateboarding nutrition company. I don't know. <laughs> or surfing. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So we are a sports nutrition supplement company. Um, we make products for athletes of all sorts. Um, I think we speak to kind of the mountain athlete um, more easily. That's that's kind of where we started. Um, and the whole idea was to bring a lot of the nutrition education around training and recovery that had bit that had existed in kind of more traditional sports um, to mountain athletes. So to include trail runners and climbers and uh, mountain bikers. Um, where maybe that conversation isn't as uh, as common. Um, I think a lot of times we think of nutrition just as the what we're taking in during our event and don't necessarily think of whole foods or even supplement products that we can use um, surrounding the event that can really support our performance and recovery. So mm-hmm. um, that's what we do. We uh, really believe in, um, you know, formulating products that are science backed about being transparent with our customers about what are in those products and what the ingredients can actually do. And then also, um, making sure that our products are the highest quality, which includes, you know, NSF testing for label claims and contaminants. Love it. Love it. Um, and I mean, on the, in the scope of things, how do you think about product when you are thinking about so many different athletes who have kind of different 
not necessarily needs because that maybe isn't even the case, but have different goals in sports, say? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think there's a lot of overlap, right? Um, I I would say that there aren't any magic bullets uh, as far as performance or recovery, which might be the opposite from what you hear from a lot of other supplement companies. But I think the the really high quality companies that are putting good products out there um, will say the same thing like that. Um, what science does support is helpful has been established for a long time. And, um, and it's really a small part of the equation and an important part of the equation, but a small part of the equation in terms of really um, helping with performance and helping with recovery. So mm-hmm. how you may use those products, when you may use those products, and how much they might help you might differ from sport to sport. But I think there's a lot of overlap in what those products are. Mm-hmm. Now, I think this is this is something that's really interesting when people are thinking about going into products, I feel like, especially when you're talking supplements or even food, the science is both like changing constantly, but also like not changing at all. Sort of what you just mentioned, a lot of the stuff is, you know, we've known a lot of the stuff for a long time, but there's all these, you know, sexy studies with like five people in them that are popping up all the time. So how do you, uh, how do you sift through the research to, you know, as you're thinking about new products, how do you sift through and decide what's, what's worth it? I imagine your PhD in biology helps you read studies really well at this point. Yeah, it does. I mean, to be honest, there's so much that I do for Gnarly that I wish I had more time to like delve into the literature on a regular basis, but it really starts with kind of a product need. So whether it's an idea we have, that's a gap in our line or something that a lot of customers are asking for, athletes are asking for, you know, we look at that need. Um, We look at the research that's out there supporting, um, ingredients or, or, um, or formulations that might help with that need. And then you really have to look at whether or not um, that research supports the that use um, for a human. So a lot of times, some of the research is in animals, and the dosages are just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas you, you, there's no way that you could then take that and make a product that a human would be able to use um, for a specific event. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's a big part of it. Cost also becomes a big part of it. A lot of these ingredients can be pricey and to get an effective dosage just is impossible um, and make a product that people could actually afford on a regular basis. Um, And so if those two things work out, it's then, like you said, looking at um, the quality of the research. So what does the study design look like? Is it a randomized control study? Is there only one study or are there multiple studies? Have there been a meta, has there been a meta-analysis done, you know, where they look at uh, the bulk of literature and see if they can find like commonalities in the findings? Um, and I even sometimes, you know, looking for podcasts that are run by PhDs or or where PhDs have been on podcasts, Um, And they're talking about their specialty um, and the research they've done. That's like a nice way to to shortcut into some of the literature um, and find something that uh, is research backed and and is going to be effective for for our customer base. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so say you're, you know, you've decided 
there's a need in the market to make, you know, XYZ product. Um, I don't know if you want to give like an exact example, but I'd love for you to take us through the like point where you're like, okay, we need to make this product to where it's actually on the shelf. Because again, I think there is this kind of like idea that this stuff just magically happens. You know, you call up the the manufacturing company and you're like, we want, you know, this in this container and like, boom, it's just like, it's ready to go in a month um, or in a week or next day ordering on prime. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, that's a great question. So, I mean, our, one of the newer products in the gnarly line is kind of our endurance fuel, fuel two Um, And with that, you know, we had a formulation in mind um, I had some some sugar sources that I was looking at using. Um, I ordered samples of ingredients from not our manufacturer, but vendors that I knew um, uh, produced those ingredients, um, made up some test batches, uh, you know, in the back room of Gnarly, um, worked with some of our athlete team that uh, specializes in, in endurance sports and were willing to be guinea pigs, um, got the, them um, the samples. And, and when I, when I mix things up, right, I, I try to make them taste good, but it's not like what we're going to market with. I'm like, ah, I've got some raspberry flavoring and, you know, I'm going to put it in there. So it's palatable and see what they think. So the first thing is to look at, you know, does it meet their needs, um, in kind of the, the use that we're looking to, to fill. Um, and so getting feedback from them, tweaking, um, whether they have, you know, comments on like electro, in this case, like electrolyte composition or or calories um, per serving. Um, and then once we have kind of that base formulation, and I'm not talking about flavors or anything here, I'm talking about the actives that are going to, to impact how the product's used. Then I take it to our manufacturer. Um, and And this is like, Maybe the fun part, right, is is give them ideas of what I'm looking at uh, for flavoring. So in the case of Fuel 2.0 and Endurance Nutrition, it's got to be light, right? You're, mm-hmm. you're consuming something um, for hours on end over, you know, what might be an ultra, um, you know, gravel race or an ultra, you know, running race. You don't want something that um, is going to give you flavor fatigue. So in the case of that product, we were looking for light flavors that um, that also provide a differentiation among the three um, flavors we were looking to bring to market. So we took those back to, to our internal team and athletes and had them, you know, taste. We made tweaks on that point. Um, so, you know, by this by this point in the process, we we have, you know, a product that we know our athlete base likes. We have flavors that we know our, our athlete base likes. Um, in the case of this product, we even sent out samples to kind of a larger uh, group of our customer base that we um, had formed relationships with to get their opinions. Um, and then, of course, you know, cost becomes a, a, a big part of it. So, mm-hmm. um when we worked up the base formula, costing is part of what we're looking at. Um, but then interestingly, the flavor profile can add a lot. So making sure that we're aligning on on what we want to do is in in that space in the supplement market, like where are we relative to our major competitors? Mm-hmm. Um, is this something that we think um would be like a compelling product for people that might be already buying competitors, um, similar products. And, um, 
that's a big part of it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in the case of Fuel 2O, um, you know, once we figured that out, we knew we wanted all three flavors to be NSF certified. So then that process starts, um, which is lengthy in and of itself. It's um, formulation review, label review, and this is before we even get the product made, right? And then the the testing in and of itself is is another uh, lengthy endeavor. Um, and all in all, I'd say from like the time that we order the product to the time that we actually have it in hand and have all the test results back can be, uh, you know, up to four months. Yeah. Which actually seems short, to be honest, as you just listed all that stuff out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was, that was pre, I I would, I would say that this is like, once I've gotten all of the R and D done, right. The R and D process in and of itself might be another four to five months for a product. Um, But once, once we've made it through that and and have something that we like and something that we would think would would do well in the space, and I put that purchase order in, you know, it's it's four months till till we have it in hand and can sell it. Mm-hmm. And I have a couple follow up questions, but I do think we have to pause and go into what is NSF certified and why was it so important? Because this is a big shift for Gnarly in the past year. Uh, this you know, push to get everything NSF certified, which I cannot applaud you for enough. And oh, I, thank you. I would love you. I'd love for you to just explain it and like, talk about what the commitment is when you're doing that, because it's, it's a hunk and big deal. Yeah, it is. And it's pricey, especially for a company like us, which we're not huge. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I mentioned earlier in kind of my route to gnarly, I worked kind of on the manufacturing end of things for a bit. And part of my role there was to bring that manufacturer into NSF uh, compliance and therefore FDA compliance. Um, so NSF is, is kind of a third party audit group. They audit like, you know, I don't, I don't even know how many realms of manufacturing, but not just supplementation. Um, if you turn over your cooking pots, you might see the NSF logo, which just says NSF in a circle. Um, but they audit manufacturers and then they also audit finished goods, which is kind of an industry term for like the final product. Um, and those audits are are separate but related in that a manufacturer can be certified, but maybe not all the products they make are certified. Um, but in order to have a certified product, you have to have a certified, you have to get it made at a certified manufacturer. So mm-hmm. at the manufacturing level, um, uh, manufacturers are audited for FDA regulations around good manufacturing practices. So a lot of people think that supplements aren't regulated. They may not be regulated enough. I would agree with that, but there are regulations that exist around, uh, good manufacturing practices. The sad part is that not all manufacturers or brands follow those, um, practices and the FDA, uh, I don't think has the bandwidth to to um, to audit all of the the manufacturers that exist in in the U.S. So mm-hmm. um, for at the manufacturing level, it's um, a, every six months they get inspected. It's an on-site inspection where they go through all the standard operating procedures and um, and also uh, audit the manufacturing process in and of itself and go through documentation. It's usually a two-day audit. It's pretty intensive. Um, at the product level, right, they're looking at whether or not the supplements that are manufactured um, 
are safe. So that's the toxicology screening. So they're actually looking at the formula and like, oh, there's X amount of vitamin D in this product. Is that safe for an individual to, to take in a given day? What does the research say? So that's the first step is just a screening of the formula and looking at all of the ingredient documentation um, for all of the ingredients in the formula to make sure that um, the ingredients are coming from a good vendor and that all of the testing paperwork kind of supports what the vendor is saying the ingredient is. Um, then once that's approved and the label's been evaluated and making sure that it matches you know, what a given formula is, um, that's when you get into the product testing. So there are two different levels of NSF certification. There's contents um, certified, which means that the product meets all of the label claims. Um, so if there's 5,000 IUs of vitamin D in there and you test the product, it actually has 5,000 IUs of vitamin D per serving. Um, it's also tested for contaminants. So heavy metals, um, microbes, and then uh, a full pesticide screen. And that's done annually for every certified product. And then the second level of testing is sports certification. And so to be NSF for sports certified, you have to pass all of the content certified testing. And then on top of that, every single lot that's manufactured is tested for all the banned substances on the World Anti-Doping Agency banned substances list, which I think is like close to 300 substances. It's a lot um, of substances. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah. And so you cannot sell like a given lot of product until um, you get those test results back and you and you know that it passes. So, uh, you know, when I came into Gnarly, um, we were doing all of the testing that we were required to do per the FDA, which is label claim, microbes and heavy metals. But the, the consumer, the customer has no idea of, of really knowing like what we're doing right versus what brand X is doing right. Right. And what NSF really is as a third party system is it's um, it's something that consumers can look at and know that they can trust what they're taking, know that mm -hmm. it's tested well, know that what's in what the label says in is in the product is actually in it. And so as a company going around and saying, we're all about clean sports nutrition, it's like, well, we can't just say that. We have to show it. And I think mm -hmm. um, these quality certifications are a way to, to show people. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's, you know, it's so important, not just if you're a pro athlete, but if you're like any athlete, because I think, you know, when we talk about the the cost of things, this is kind of where I was going with this. I know you know, if you're just kind of poking around on Amazon and you're a new, say, cyclist or runner or something, and you're looking for, you know, whatever powder or, you know, hydration thing or, you know, vitamin green, any, any of these things, uh, you know, we're all a little, we're all a little price adverse. So like the tendency I think is to go for that, like super cheap whey protein. That's like, you know, a, a buck, a pound for like a 50 pound bag. Yeah. Uh, that hasn't been tested by anyone really. <laughs> so, you know, when we're, when we're talking about all of this, I think it's, it's kind of just really showing like, this is why these good products cost a little bit more. It's not, it's not just like smooth marketing. It's because it costs a lot to get to this point. Like there's a huge investment to get these products. Yeah. I think um, for, for a lot of, 
you know, good reasons or understandable reasons, uh, supplements kind of become a bit of a dirty word in some spaces. And, you know, there's a lot of data showing that a lot of supplements are contaminated or aren't what they say they are. And really, this is a step towards making sure that, you know, you're getting what you think you're getting and, um, and you don't have things that shouldn't be in there, in there, whether you're a pro athlete and your livelihood depends on it, or whether you're an everyday athlete and you're just concerned about your health. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, it's extremely important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Also important. You all, Gnarly also has this recycling initiative going. Uh, I would love if you could also kind of speak about that and, you know, how that change also has, like, that's also a, a hefty change to be making here. Yeah. I mean, I we're a value-driven company, which means we, you know, beyond trying to make, you know, that's one of our values is making products that uh, are good products and high quality products and that people will enjoy and can trust. Um, another value that we stand up behind is trying to minimize, you know, the footprint that we have um, environmentally. And plastic recycling is like in crisis in the US, right? As soon as we used to ship all of our uh, plastic recycling or the majority of it to China. And in 2018, China was like, "Mm, actually, we don't really want that. (laughs) And that created this huge problem. And since then, we've been trying to find other places to ship all of this plastic um, and what it's resulted in is an abysmal plastic recycling rate in the U.S. So you might put your plastic in your recycle bin, but really only 8% of all plastic is recycled. And then on top of that, colored plastic is hardly recycled at all because really um, as someone that's going to use recycled plastic, I want neutral colors. I want clear plastic or white plastic so that then when I sell it to a company that wants to color it, it's easy to color. Colored plastic using that um, isn't, is going to make it harder for that end product to be colored the way it might be wanted to be colored. So mm-hmm. really the, the only plastic that, that's, that's recycled, even at that abysmal rate, is, is white and clear plastic, which I think further <laughs> impacts like the overall recycling rate. So um you know, at Gnarly, we we were in black plastic, probably the worst possible thing. Um, and we wanted to make improvements. And so um, much like how we approach, you know, product formulations, we wanted to take the same approach with trying to find more sustainable packaging, doing a fair amount of research and finding out what would be a positive step in the right direction, by no means a solution, but a positive step in the right direction, as opposed to just like greenwashing and saying, you know, we switched to this, but, uh, you know, it's, it really is not a step forward. Um, so talk to a lot of people in kind of the sustainable packaging industry, um, did a lot of research on compostable packaging to see if it really was, you know, a solution Um, And to make a long story short, kind of landed on switching to metal because of the high recycling rate. So as opposed to that 8% for plastic, um, steel is recycled at a rate of 70%, um, which is a much, you know, (laughs) a huge increase. Um, A lot of, so I think it's up to 70% of the steel used um, in creating new steel is recycled in and of itself. So 
the post-consumer recycling is already built into the creation of new steel already. So um, that was also a positive. And that recycle recyclability of that material is is at your curb, right? You don't have to take it anywhere special. Um, it's accepted in most curbside recycling programs. Um, and with the the route we went, we had we were also able to remove labels, um, which is another you know piece of of waste um, that that is an issue in this industry. So mm-hmm. it seemed like a win 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 situation. It hasn't been flawless, like. Uh, I, I'd say we've encountered a lot of bumps in the road. Some people aren't super excited with with the user experience of those containers. Um, and we hope to, you know, as we get bigger and have resources, make them better. But I feel pretty damn good about the move we made and about trying to kind of push the needle in an industry where plastic is rampant, whether mm-hmm. it's you're getting your product in a plastic you know, pouch, which I'd say the majority of our competitors don't even use drop-off uh, approved risk plastic pouches. Um, so if you don't see a recyclable on your hydration mix and it doesn't say drop-off, like that is not getting recycled at all. Um, mm-hmm. And and that seems to be the standard in the, in the nutrition space. Um, either that or, you know, protein in big plastic tubs. So it's it's not perfect, like I said, but I feel like we're going down the right path, and um, hopefully, we're we're pushing our competitors to make similar decisions. Okay, here's the deal: you want to take control of your health, of your life, but honestly, who has the time to go into the doctor, get the requisition for all the blood work, and then go to the lab and actually have that blood drawn, then wait weeks for the doctor to get back to you with the results? No, absolutely not. Inside Tracker is the way to go. And bonus, you can do it from the comfort of your own home with their mobile blood draw. It is so easy. Oh my gosh, so convenient, so safe, so reliable. All you have to do is when you order your Inside Tracker panel, you actually just add the mobile blood draw option and then boom, suddenly you have a lab tech at your house at a time that works for you to take your blood. We did this last month and honestly, it was the easiest experience I have ever had with blood draws in my life so convenient and then the turnaround on the results is so quick and instantly you get this whole view of what is going on inside you with all of the important biomarkers that you need as an athlete as an entrepreneur as a go-getter so definitely definitely check them out save time in your day add time to your life with inside trackers mobile blood draw and if you visit insidetracker.com backslash feisty you get 20 percent off today that's insidetracker.com backslash feisty to get 20 percent off today I love that. Um, that actually, so what's interesting about that is that was like a very new lane for you to have to kind of go down to figure this out, right? Because I think before when we're talking about formulating a new product, it's pretty easy to talk about like, oh, I went to the vendors, I went to the manufacturers because you already have those connections. But this is like a very different set of people you needed to go to. So when when you are kind of approaching a new problem like that, how do you find the right people to talk to and like even know like what to be asking? Because I think a lot of people would hear this problem and be like, well, I, I have no idea. I'm just going to not worry about it. 
Yeah. Um, I, my first step was um, LinkedIn, right? Looking, trying to make contacts in uh, with groups I knew were already in the sustainable packaging space. Um, so TerraCycle, um, talk to folks there. Um, there's a group uh, or a business that's affiliated with TerraCycle called Loop, which is this really interesting um, setup that I wish gnarly could have participated in, but it just, it was too much of kind of a heavy investment for the size of the brand we are in. But essentially what Loop does is they um, work with brands to uh, basically create uh, circular packaging. So for, they use metal as well. Um, and consumers go on their website, order, let's say like 10 products. They also get this tote with the products. Um, the products arrive in these metal containers, they use them as opposed to, you know, recycling or throwing away those containers, they put them back in the tote, send them back to loop, um, they receive a deposit for returning those or return of a deposit for returning those, um, those containers, and then loop sterilizes those containers and reuses them. So it's to it, the whole idea is that it totally eliminates packaging waste. And that is where, you know, I'd love to, to have Gnarly go eventually, but, um, you know, that was the ideal for me. So talking to them about what made sense in the packaging space, um, also talking to groups like Eco Enclose, which is, um, is, a, is a company that creates a lot of um, sustainable packaging solutions uh, for like mailers or fillers or um, things of that nature. They've done a ton of research about what actually makes sense as far as sustainability. They mm -hmm. are not fans of compostable packaging. Um, and that was eye-opening for me. Like I was looking at compostable packaging, like, does it really compost? You know, is there any leftover remnants in home, you know, com composts? What, what uh, you know, environmental conditions are required for something to compost in a landfill? Like I was looking at, at it from that aspect. They're looking at it like, does this make sense given the um, environmental footprint relative to just recycling plastic that might already be in, um, you know, in our system? And it was eye opening for me, kind of that education piece. Um, but looking like I often try to be pretty forward about what I, I would never say I'm an expert, but what I feel comfortable in like my knowledge base, you know, and mm -hmm. for me, that's nutrition. For me, that's science. For me, that is not sustainable packaging. So the next best thing is to go find people that have that knowledge base, pe people that are experts in that space and learn from them. And that's, that's mm -hmm. what I tried, tried to do. Love that. I, LinkedIn. I, I feel like I keep saying this on the show, but like, I'm like, LinkedIn is coming back. I think it's having like a <laughs> yeah. resurgence or like a revitalization as all of us elder millennials are like, we can't handle Instagram anymore. There's too many videos. We need to, we just need to get somewhere where we can scroll and it's not yelling at us. So we're just, back on LinkedIn. I need to figure out what that verb is. Like I linked you or like, <laughs> yeah, right. Like, like, what is that verb? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a great, it's a great way to like make connections and figure out what people are doing. That's like exciting and, and, you know, might be out of your, uh, you know, business box, 
but could, you could also learn a ton from. So, you know, through this, um, you know, sustainable packaging initiative, we joined the responsible packaging movement, which Prana started. And most of the companies that are part of that movement are apparel companies. Mm-hmm. But I've learned so much through attending the seminars that they put on about their process, about thinking outside the box, about um, solutions that could work in it for gnarly. Like it's, it's been an amazing experience. Mm-hmm. Love that. Uh, you did mention like, you know, when things don't always go perfectly, because I imagine it's not just like this, like brilliant trajectory of like every product just like magically goes from like, oh, I nailed the formulation perfectly the first try. Uh, so how do you handle the the ups and downs and the undulations that go with something as specific as like, you know, a couple grams can make a big difference. Some milligrams can make a big difference. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that um, one of the nice things, at least if we're talking on a product side, is it might take four months to make a product, but you also have the flexibility to make changes, to um, respond to maybe what um, your consumer base is saying or respond to needs Um you know, that might arise from testing. So for example, our performance greens product used to have hemp seed in it. We couldn't at that time. One, there were a lot of, uh, we got a lot of customers saying that they, you know, were a first responder or worked for the military and couldn't use the product because I had hemp seed and really wanted to. Um, Secondarily, at that point, NSF was not approving any products that contained hemp. That's changed since then. But Although our first iterations included hemp seed because it's a good source of omega-3 fatty acids, um, we then took it out because we realized that it would open the product to to many more people and we would be able to achieve NSF certification um, with the removal of that ingredient. So Mm -hmm. I think, you know, losing this idea of being set in stone with um, maybe what your whole product line looks like or what a particular product looks like is really important. Um, and listening to what your consumer saying is hugely important, probably mm-hmm. the most important thing. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you have such a good base of athlete testers from like pro to the just like super into it recreational athletes. And I think that's, that's something that like anyone at any business, any level can really like be taking away from this is that like, that that marketing group basically is like so important for you. Yeah, it's really important. I mean, I we're making products that both from like a functionality standpoint need to work for our consumer base. And from a taste standpoint, you know, folks aren't going to want to take something if it tastes awful. Mm-hmm. So those two, you know, uh, those two feedback loops are, you know, primarily, you know, what I do is try to listen to people in terms of what they need and listen to people in terms of whether or not they, they enjoy our products, um, Mm -hmm. whether it be in the R and D phase or in kind of the final, you know, version. Mm -hmm. Now with so many different, not just products, but also initiatives around the products from packaging to NSF, how do you stay on track with all of these different things, all of these moving parts? Because it's not like, oh, this month I'm only focusing on this one specific thing. I imagine your to-do list is, I'm picturing like one of those whiteboards with like an equation on it. <laughs> you look at it and you're like, oh dear God. Uh, yeah. 
Um, I am a big list maker. So um, I, it's funny, my, I keep buying this planner over and over again, because on the outside of planner, it says organized chaos, which I feel like is a really good summary of, <laughs> of my, my life in general. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, we have a good team because we're a small, small company. We all play a lot of role overlapping roles in the company. Um, we have weekly meetings, so we make sure that we're on top of things. So I think communication is a big part of staying organized. Um, so a lot of the information that I need to communicate to other members of our team, you know, also helps me stay organized in terms of what I need to do. Um, I use apps like Trello um, to stay on top of where, you know, all of our products are in, in terms of manufacturing, you know, and when we expect to get them, what I need to do, where they are in testing certification, whether or not I've ordered packaging. Um, and so creating those and staying up to date with those um, is really critical in terms of keeping my, my, uh, my stuff together. Yeah. Well, and that actually leads neatly into the, what does the day in the life look like for you? Are you someone who gets up and like starts by looking at Trello? Are you one of those people that rolls over and checks their email? I admit that's me. Um, (laughs) Walk us through the day. Yeah. um, I'm one of those people that gets up and exercises first thing. Um, Yeah. It's, you know, I have two kids, busy life um, and both because it, allows me to get it in and also because it clears my head. And then thirdly, because I have a, you know, one-year-old puppy that needs to be taken out regularly, (laughs) like all of those things help me get ready for my day. Right. So, um, I tend to check email first similarly. Um, and, uh, we use Slack, uh, we're kind of a hybrid in terms of some, uh, office time and also some work from home time. So um, our internal communication really um, a lot of it occurs on Slack. And uh, so seeing, you know, if anybody's reached out to me, you know, in the time since I've last checked with like urgent things that need to be taken care of that day, um, I refer to that, I refer to email. And then at the end of every day, I create a list of things that I know I need to do the following day. And doing that at the end of the day kind of helps kind of prime me for what's to come and get my brain where it needs to be. So, um, you know, I'm focused on on what the, the day will bring. Mm-hmm. I love it. And we have to ask Brazilian jiu-jitsu, how does that fit in? Does it keep your mind clear? <laughs> Do you completely forget about work? Do you have like epiphanies while you're doing it? How does how does it help you keep everything going? Sure. I mean, I I... One of the things I love about jujitsu is it's such a diverse crowd that practices. Um, and I've heard this, like, whether it's, you know, someone that's in the military or someone that's, um, you know, in business or finance or, you know, that it's almost like therapy because it's a clearing of the mind. Um, when you're fighting someone, you know, it's really hard to focus on anything else. Otherwise you're going to get totally obliterated. (laughs) So um, you really have to focus on what's in front of you and how you're dealing with um, the problem and the challenge that that opponent is, is uh, presenting. Um, And that through focusing on that, everything else, like all worries, whether it's like work worries or life worries, um, 
kind of move to the back burner and not even thinking about them. Um, it's also, I think, like most sports, just getting that physical release can also put you in a place where then problem solving um, becomes a lot easier. Mm-hmm. I have to imagine when you've spent time trying to avoid getting punched in the face or getting punched in the face, uh, it makes getting an email that normally would like have me under my desk hiding a lot easier. Yeah. I mean, I, I, my black belt says it all the time. Um, and I, I really do believe, believe it that, you know, jujitsu is hard. I think combat sports are hard. I think sports in general, can be difficult depending on where you are, you know, what your individual challenge may be, but setting goals and working towards them and sticking with them in the face of challenge. So, you know, or, you know, in, in, in other words, just persevering despite, Mm -hmm. you know, X, Y, and Z um, puts you in a good place to do that in your everyday life. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and I'm a big, big believer in that. I feel like jujitsu has made me more resilient. Um, it also at times, like when you're, when you're, you see people battling on Instagram or battling through a, a, you know, a computer screen, I'm always like, well, I'm not sure you would really be saying that to somebody's face. Um, it's also interesting in that space. Um, I try not to read into emails. I try not to read into comments. I'm always someone that wants to, um, if there is a question about tone and an email or any kind of communication, first thing I want to do is jump on a phone and, and talk to someone and make sure that we're on the same page and that neither of us are reading into each other's communications. Because I think in the world that we live in today, that happens uh, more often than not. A hundred percent. And I think actually, I will argue Slack makes that even easier because it's so simple in a company to just be like, you know, giving like a thumbs up or like a smiley face or something to something. And you're like, wait, that wasn't the big <laughs> smiley face. That was like <laughs> the like closed mouth smiley face. What does that mean? <laughs> totally. totally. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Okay. This has been amazing. Uh, Tell everyone where they can find you, where they can follow along with all of the cool stuff that Gnarly is putting out. Sure. Um, Our website is gonarly.com. We've got, you know, great product line, but we also have amazing resources. Um, Most of our articles are written by uh, dietitians. um, And I think if you're just going to learn more about nutrition or you have a specific question, like start in our blog section, do a search um, and, and it can be a great resource. Uh, me personally, uh, my Instagram account is all my kids in jujitsu. Um, but it's Shah O'Grady, S-H-A-O-G-R-A-D-Y. Every once in a while I post something, um, that's nutrition based, but I also share, um, podcast interviews and, and content that I've created on that. Um, so if you're interested, you can, you can find me there. Amazing. You're doing such fun stuff. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for joining us here. Thank you, Molly. I really appreciate your time and all your great questions. All right. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Shannon. For me, it was such a cool behind the scenes. Uh, You know, it's always just really interesting to know just how much work goes into the products that we frankly take for granted pretty often. Uh, So it's it's very cool to kind of hear all about that and hear about the evolution of a product. So, you know, I think it's it's a good point that we don't have to start out absolutely perfect, right? We're going to make mistakes along the way. We're going to have to 
shift our offerings to, you know, better align with our values and stuff. So definitely don't let perfect be the enemy of good when you're trying to get stuff going. But I think it is a good reminder that we should be constantly striving to make everything that we're doing as as in line with our values, as ethical, as sustainable as possible. So definitely a really great conversation. And we have a lot more really fun product-based stuff coming up, uh, not just in the you know, really physical nitty gritty like this one. We talk all about, you know, starting a a product from scratch next week. And we have a lot of very exciting content coming. So make sure that you're subscribed, make sure you rate and review. I really appreciate any time you're doing that. So with that, thank you so much. And I'll see you next week. 